0: Good morning, welcome everybody uh, back to another episode of Bloody Mary Bible Brunch. I'm Jim Barton and I'm here with
1: Abigail Conley.
0: Um, And today we're essentially going to talk about the Apocalypse in the Old Testament. And we're going to talk about two, um, well, characters, but also two books in the Bible. We're going to talk about Ezekiel and we're going to talk about Daniel. And so first we're going to talk about um, Ezekiel. And I have a, a popular, an opinion, an unpopular opinion of Ezekiel that Abby is going to dissuade me from um, during this during this uh, episode. So here's what happens in Ezekiel. Ezekiel is written um, during the Babylonian exile. So while both Israel and Judah have been deported, and um, Ezekiel, the book starts off with a whole list of uh, things about why Israel is so terrible. So it's oracles against Israel. Then the second phase of it is oracles against everybody else, and then the third phase is a forward-looking um, passage. But it's a direction about how God is going to restore the people of Israel, and it um, it includes the really famous passage from Ezekiel about the dry bones and the Valley of Dry Bones, and how you know God restores the Israel Israel with. These like other creatures, they don't even have to be humans. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about those, and Abba's going to convince me about why I'm wrong to be bored to death by this book. So first, let's talk about ancient aliens. Okay, so in the first, the very beginning of uh, Ezekiel, he sees this um, vision, and it has all these wheels turning within wheels, and these animal or these beings that have four heads. And I don't really think it's ancient aliens, but it's, it is kind of funny in the sense that people who talk about ancient aliens often will say, they'll point to description and say, oh, see, that's a spaceship, and those are thrusters, and that's why it's moving that way, which is all silly nonsense. But it is very trippy, I'll give you that. But Abby, why is that section viable, other than being sort of like what it would be like to be on LSD in ancient Middle East?
1: All right, so... Number one, if we ever, we read the Bible very, very literally, we end up in lots of trouble. So let's (laughs) just start there with the ancient aliens um, problem. It's the same thing as if you read Revelation, just as, like, there's a beast coming out, you end up in really bad places, Right. with, like, WWW being the mark of the beast and those kinds of things. Like, yeah. So The Wheel Within a Wheel is all about the temple. It's about, hey, things are on the move. We're getting... All of these things are moving to a new place. So you have people who find themselves in exile. And so if you're in exile, you can't worship at the temple. And if you're part of a temple cult, as ancient Israel was, that screws you over. What are you gonna do? How are you gonna worship now? Well, the God God can move. That wheel and the wheel can move wherever. It can turn in whatever direction. So no matter where you are, you can find God in that place and worship God in that place. So first of all, you know, this kind of comes back over and over as we read those stories from exile. They're the redefining what it means to be a people of God, and one of those is, where is God? Well, God is anywhere you are, is where it ends up. Thanks.
0: Okay. So, the, I mean, I think that is, that is interesting. And of course, one of the things in the oracles against Israel is that God leaves the temple but goes to where they're in exile. Right. So the idea is, which is a more radical idea then than now. So maybe there's something to be said with their values moving forward.
1: Yeah. And And, you know, so that's a change that happens over and over because Old Testament, the earlier it's written, the more clear it is that God dwells in the temple after that's built, in the tabernacle before that, on a mountain before that. So where God's dwelling place is changes a lot and then when you get this kind of, rather than God as a being who dwells in one place, to God is that changes a lot what you do um, and what you can do
0: as a people. Right. And it's also a, it's a distinction, frankly, from the polytheistic religions, right? In the mm-hmm. sense that for them, you much more would have a god of a locality, um, and then the big gods, then they are they figure out how, what do you do with them. But I mean, generally speaking, smaller gods who are gods of particular localities. Right. So, okay, so then then we have the whole bunch of stuff where like you like, trash all your enemies and not see how terrible they are. Then we have the dry bone section, which again is it's a good song, the Dembone song is a nice song, but also whats what's, what's what am I missing from the value of that story?
1: So I love the the dry bone story it 's my favorite so if you don 't know that story um An angel of the Lord takes Ezekiel out to the Valley of Dry Bones and says, can these bones live? And Ezekiel, like every good prophet, says, I don't know, can they? And so they end up telling him, prophesy, prophesy, prophesy. So prophesy to the bones, prophesy to the muscle, prophesy to the skin, prophesy to the four winds of the earth. And so the bones become reconstituted as skeletons, and then the fat and the muscle comes on them, and then the skin comes on them, and then the four winds come and blow the breath of life back in them. So you have this desolate, borderline terrifying story, a terrifying place that becomes a place of life against all possibility. To me, that is amazing. And this is where, you know, I say often that we need to stop talking about an apocalypse and talk about the apocalypses because there are many times the world crashes down. There are many times the world, as people knew, it has ended. Um, I think many of us realize that that's what we're talking about with church right now. Some people talk about, oh, this is the next reformation and those things. It's like, yeah, this is an apocalypse. This is an end of something. And still God takes them out to that Valley of Dry Bones and says, Yeah, this thing that has no possibility of life. It's bleached by the sun, all of the marrow's gone, like critters aren't coming here to chew these bones. There can still be life in that again.
0: And I think that I think you're right too, I mean, as far as like the church now. Because I do think we have to wonder about is the church in the next 500 years going to be radically different? Is Christianity going to take a radically different... Stand? I mean, the way we worship at the Reformation is not like the way we worship now. Right. It's not the institutions aren't the same. I mean, and so um, that is kind of an exciting idea that, you, that God could re-envision. Um, the idea of sort of ultimate victory for God and over... Um, sort of earthly powers is an important theme, at least for the second half of Daniel as well, right? Right. So Daniel, um, probably the latest written book in the Old Testament, Daniel is set during the exile, so Daniel is set as if he would be essentially a contemporary of Ezekiel, I think, although obviously no person Daniel. Daniel is like, is like, is like almost as fictitious as, as Job. I mean, right. like there's, there's just no Daniel, that's for sure we'll talk about the, we'll end with the, the beginning of Daniel, but the end of Daniel has all these stories about visions, against very trippy visions. Was that, do you think that was in part to like, um, sort of hide what they're talking about, the leader they're talking about at the time?
1: Um, somewhat, and I also think that's an expectation you set up for visions. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's kind of how those things work, and Even if you said 100%, I believe in this vision from God, if it comes in the form of a dream, tell me about the last trippy dream you had. That's
0: right. That's right. They all are. Right. And so... The... The dream that I remember most out of Daniel is there's a statue and the top head is gold and that's Babylon and then the next one is whatever and there are different kinds of metal and then the feet are like half clay and half iron or something. And the feet, that's referring to, the reason it's partial is that's referring to the kingdom of Alexander after Alexander dies and he gives it up and there's, he splits up his empire. And so... This is one of the reasons why people are pretty sure that Daniel was written near the, you know, like 200th um, BC or maybe even 2nd century BC, rather. And so because if you predict with such explicit, accurate predict in quotes, you know, about the empire of Daniel, I mean, of uh, Alexander breaking into two parts. So anyway, in the end of Daniel, then a rock comes, crushes the whole statue, Mm -hmm. and then that rock grows into the mountain, and the mountain is, of course, Israel. Right okay and this is valuable to us because why
1: i mean it does the same sort of thing yeah. This empire that you expect the statues that were much more part of their political landscape than our political landscape that's going to crumble you know the feet of play becomes something that just becomes a cliche now something that's or an idiom probably is the better term in our world that yeah something I see to play of course it's going to crumble of course it's going to break and that's okay this is again um, the story of yeah this is going to fall apart and that's okay and I think then when you get to the other part of Daniel all of the folk tales that are much more part of our um, what we teach kids and those sorts of things Daniel and the lion's den um, Shattering Meshach and Abednego those stories those point to the reality that as those worlds are crumbling, it really sucks. Things are really difficult. You might lose your life. You might have your life threatened by people. You might end up throwing in alliance lion's
0: Well, and one of the most and, and one of the most poignant lines from um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, of How course, you you? is that they're saying, "We're going. You the throw know, and We believe that God is going to deliver us, but we're not. We won't bow down, to even if,
1: yeah,
0: even if He doesn't." Which is interesting because you take, so on the personal like we talked before, you see the vision of Daniel, it's a corporate vision. This is a vision about how the people, how the nation should respond, right? The nation should not lose hope, or the people of Israel, God's people should not lose hope, right? Um, but when you're talking about individuals, it's interesting that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not have infinite confidence they accepted that maybe this won't work out for us. Right. And even if God... We're still not going to do it. So that's an interesting contrast, I think, in the way... I mean, because Daniel's vision for the people of Israel and Ezekiel's vision for God's people, for God's message, is no matter what is in front of me, in the end it's going to go out.
1: And it is always pointing to, this is not about your life, this is about our life. Yeah. And that is something that I think, especially in our particular place and time and history is hard to grasp that we can be more invested in our life than my life than your life
0: and should that be more hopeful should we have a more pollyanna view outlook a more um it's 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 going to get better or whatever you know it gets better view when we're talking about the nation as a whole or our people or our culture however i don't so much necessarily mean like Pledge of Allegiance nation I mean our our corporate personhood rather than as individuals you have to acknowledge that look man sometimes it doesn't go well sometimes you get cancer and die and it sucks and so like should we be more should we be more Pollyanna about as a people as a whole as Christians I don't know
1: if that's Pollyanna but this is where like I spend a lot of my life (laughs) because I'm the person who reads Ecclesiastes if I want to feel better Mm Mm-hmm. So, I get that, that I am somewhat misanthropic and not the super optimistic person, but this still says, this turns out the way God intends. This, and you know, Frederick Buechner is the one who coined the phrase, the worst thing is never the last thing. Who is that again? Frederick Buechner. And so... That's where this rests. The worst thing is happening. You are living through the worst thing you can imagine. That doesn't mean it's the last thing. That doesn't mean it's the last thing for your family. It doesn't mean it's the last thing for your faith. That doesn't mean it's the last thing. Right.
0: All right. Well, okay. That's a good note to end on. And uh, this was fun talking about that Revelation is not the only apocalypse in the Bible. And so now we've uh, talked about that. And um, that'll be great. And until next time, cheers.